it's almost as though we're back to a, a form of regularity, really, when we know that following the launch of the Midweek Drive Morning Edition on Thursdays, hello, welcome, uh, we could also welcome back our ace reporter and indeed top journalist from, of course, Gibraltar. It's Gabriella Peralta. How are you, Gabriella? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. I'm still at home well. <laughs> working, so... And, and just think of, of the carbon footprint that you're saving and all of the good things that are happening with respect to that. Uh, it would seem that when you do actually uh, leave home, of course, uh, if Gibraltar are following the rules of the rest of the United Kingdom, uh, then effectively it's going to be masks all the way. Um, we haven't announced yet um, our mask policy. So right now we just wear masks on buses. Uh-huh. Um, and in, when we visit the hospital, but we haven't, I know that the UK and in Spain has announced, you know, um, the policy of masks, but we haven't um, yet. Uh, or oh, I well. don't know if we will, I don't know if we're going to change it. So it's still a bit unclear what's, what's going on. Well, the uh, suggestion uh, from Britain is that not only, uh, obviously, from the 24th of July, um, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this, uh, so it's live sort of output, uh, then uh, you definitely have to wear masks whenever you visit the shops. Uh, it seems as though, as well, you're probably going to have to wear masks in offices as well. Uh, and in fact, there's going to be masks all over the place, really. So uh, um, I'm not wearing my mask at present, but I will obviously have the mask ready should we actually be in a situation where we need to wear masks even when we're actually in our own homes, isolating, communicating <laughs> via uh, visual screens, etc. Because you never know. It may well be that we do go our own Huawei. Oh, sorry. It's a headline that I did actually appreciate in terms of the Japanese government and, and obviously, oh, well, ja- no, Lord, the Chinese government. I Very nearly, Gabriella, in those few words, almost created a diplomatic relationship incident uh, by the, uh, the conflation of the Chinese Huawei system and obviously the other fantastic country, Japan, which of course has nothing to do with it. Just want to make that quite clear. So it's very important. Uh, are you worried about Huawei in Gibraltar or is it just a case of we will go our own Huawei as well? Um, not really, to be honest. I haven't heard anything about um, Huawei in Gibraltar. I know it's been um, in the news in the UK um, a lot for the past, I quite a long time. I feel like it's mm. been months or even um, a year that it's been on the news. But um, no, I know a few friends who have Huawei phones, but um, isn't it that they can't um, have updates anymore from, from Google on well, their Android system? Oh, um, and that's been quite a long time. There are all sorts of nefarious suggestions that are being put forward as, as far as uh, the, uh, the company is actually concerned. Denied, of course, but, you know, we're in a strange world. Um, by the time, again, this is, well, I don't know, this might will be released slightly earlier, but I presume that phase six of lockdown release will have actually happened because looking at the Gibraltar Chronicle uh, for Wednesday, the 15th of July, I see Gibraltar is poised to enter phase six of its unlocking plan uh, actually on Thursday the 15th with just one uh, active case of COVID-19, even as the Gibraltar government uh, are stressing the need to comply with public health guidelines and warning against a free-for-all. Um, I wasn't aware that we had six phases. I thought we were just into phase four here, but you know, is that case of Gibraltar ahead of the game once again? Um, we started unlocking before the UK. Um, ah. Because we also locked, we locked down before the UK because we locked down at the same time that Spain did, which, if I 
remember was about it was at least two weeks before the UK did. So um, we're ahead. Um, you're ahead in time. Weeks. You're in ahead in terms of yeah. lockdown. Ahead in terms of lockdown release. You're just ahead from that. Uh, and again, I'm it's very saddened to see the Gibraltar Chronicle actually using uh, the phrase that I must admit I'm not a fan of, which is "new normal" uh, in the uh, the fr- in, in the headline: yeah. "Compulsory masks and one-way systems herald new normal for air travel." Yeah, that's a phrase that's used a lot locally um, by mm. our chief minister. He keeps on calling it the new normal, and um, that's what he calls it. We're locking to a new normal. Mm. Okay. Uh, weather for Lincoln, England from Gibraltar, from yourself, Gabriella, is what? Okay, so the weather for Lincoln is highs of 23 degrees um, Celsius, lows of 13 degrees Celsius, and it's a day of light cloud and sunny intervals. And we just want to actually put the proviso that uh, these weather forecasts for Lincoln, England, are uh, usually being given out uh, about a week and a day, in fact, eight days beforehand. So yeah. if it is, as I say, the 23rd of uh, uh, July, uh, then you just need to bear in mind that, that things might have changed. You know, we might have reached the end of the world by then. So uh, and I feel as though at least we've, we've got this going out as our last little statement uh, to the end of the world. Uh, so how is Frodo? Is he still effectively uh, reluctant to exercise? Or is it a case of until everybody in Gibraltar is wearing the new Italian design of a trikini? That's, of course, the bikini plus a mask. Um, trikini. I have not heard, okay, I've not heard of that. Trikini. <laughs> Well, Gabriella, you know with these links we'd like to open up. I don't think I'll be wearing uh, one myself um, unless there's significant sums of finance involved. But again, it's interesting that the trikini is is, uh, from the fashionistas beginning to open its way forward. Anyway, back to Frodo. How is he? He's good. He's um, still lazy as ever um, and enjoying this pandemic. That's all I can really say about him. He's just loving it. Um, all that extra time at home is great <laughs> for him. But um, on the trikini part, um, I know that um, in Spain, you'll have to people will have to wear masks on the beach. I think that's oh. a new yeah. thing. Hence, hence so, trikini. Um, yeah, you won't have to wear it if you're in the water, mm. which is good, I guess. Mm. But um, it will probably feel, feel very odd and leave people with um, very weird tan lines on their face. Yeah, well, so. you know, or, or, or indeed echoing the whole notions of pioneers in Australia or indeed cowboys in America or other areas where face masks have been used by people who are uh, out and about uh, dealing with uh, various uh, agricultural aspects as well. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a strange and somewhat wonderful time. Um, in Britain, Gabriella, there's been a suggestion that Whilst people haven't gone crazy, certainly the cities and towns are getting a lot busier. Our Lincoln correspondent has been saying that it's been getting a lot busier and more hectic there. Uh, In terms of Gibraltar, I mean, has that been the case or are you still noticing a kind of reluctance for people to actually go out and about? I mean, you're obviously still working from home uh, and haven't uh, gone with the government advice to get back to the office now, Um, which, again, I think is is questionable, particularly when we've actually managed to invest in an infrastructure or at least have uh, moved our working habits and patterns 
to uh, distance working, not just distance learning. Uh, in fact, I've got two um, meetings and sessions today which are going to be uh, communicated via distance. So to actually rush back into the office seems a little bit unusual, but then with the current government, you expect the unusual. It kind of becomes yeah. the new unusual. Um, what are your thoughts, Gabriella, in terms of what's happening as far as Gibraltar is concerned? What's, what's the, the, the line there? Or, or is it a case of, don't be silly, I don't peek out of the house at all these days? Um, people are returning um, to offices now um, and definitely by um, because we have um, what we call rock unlock so the day um, where um, Gibraltar will be officially unlocked uh, will be on August 1st so I know that's the day that a lot of businesses are planning on having all their staff back so a lot of them are still working on shifts but um, in town like in our high street it's, it's been busy for, for quite some time because um, we've now had shops open. It feels, I can't say it from the top of my head, but it feels like it's been um, close to a month or a month. It's been before the UK. Ah. Um, so um, we've had shops open for quite a, a while. Um, so there was reluctance, I would say, like on the in the first week, less than a week, and then everyone's got used to it. And now it's pretty much got back to normal. I think what's missing really from from town is a lot of people like myself who are still working from home, who would usually be out, um, you know, getting lunch in the high street or, or whatever. But there is- It's not worth the risk, Gabriella. It's not worth the risk, however many locks and unlocks they put into Gibraltar. Yeah, people are still, um, people are shopping uh, as normal, pretty much. Um, use your hand sanitizers when you go in. The shop, shop staff all have masks on or they have um, those um, kind of like shields um, oh. on their faces. But um, it's pretty much gone um, back to normal in that respect. And um, restaurants as well, they've been open for about a month now. And um, before you're limited to six people per table, but it's gone up now. So I think you can have a few more. It's curiously, I think in Britain, uh, the people in the shops who are actually serving the shops or serving the shops or indeed serving the customers uh, don't have to wear masks, but the customers do have to wear masks again. Oh, we have an opposite. Yeah, we have an opposite. All the, all the restaurant staff and shop staff, um, more so restaurant staff, they'll wear masks. Um, but um, and in Spain it's the same. The restaurant staff will wear masks, but um, the people at the restaurants won't because you're eating, so um, you can't wear a mask. Yeah, that has actually crossed my mind. But then again, you know, at the same time, it's a case of is it worth the faff on when you're actually going into that whole press uh, system? Of course it is, because it's saving lives. We do in the indeed, as the ancient Huawei course would say, live in interesting times. Gabriella, have you had a reasonably interesting? and semi-informative telephonic link up with us today. Oh no, sorry, it's a Zoomer. I knew I'd made that mistake. It's not with a telephone. I realize it's a Zoomer. Have you had a reasonably interesting Zoomer today? I have, thank you. And therefore, one of these days, I'm sure you'll put camera on. It's okay, don't worry. I haven't put my camera on either today, but it's, it's all good. I just don't Yeah, know I noticed all. that, so yeah, I thought yeah, ex Exactly, so we thought we'd, we'd hold it fire on that. Um, and will you be back again, same time next week? Yeah, it would be.
Well, it certainly seems as though as we continue with our roadmap to a form of normality that going back to the pub is very much at the forefront of many people's desires. Uh, certainly a quintessential part of British culture. It does seem as though gradually, slowly but surely, we're getting back to some form of appreciation of uh, this fabulous institution. And so we're delighted to be able to welcome, uh, in terms of talking about the return of the great British pub, the no lesser personage than the managing director of that great British pub, the Green King, it's Karen Bosch. How are you, Karen? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. So um, this research that Green King obviously commissioned, um, quite a fair number of people have actually sort of been saying that they needed to actually uh, head down to the pub as soon as possible post-lockdown. 70% effectively, which is slightly ahead of visiting family and friends. I know. I mean, it's fantastic for the pub industry to hear that particular statistic. I mean, what I'm hoping is that uh, everybody feels they can meet their family and friends at the pub. And then I think we'd have the, the perfect uh, outturn for everybody. Very much so. Now, in terms of obviously the need for safety, because clearly the virus has not gone away, as we know, as we're well aware from that point of view, there are changes that have actually been put into place. And you pretty much got a top five list of things that you've introduced in Green King to effectively ensure that those promises are there to make sure that uh, safety is very much paramount throughout the whole pub experience. Yes, indeed we have. We've, uh, we've come up with a system which we are calling Pub Safe. It's five key promises which we're making to both the team and uh, customers that come into the business. And whilst we know we really want an authentic pub experience to still exist, we are conscious that um, some new uh, uh, sort of behaviours need to kick in so that uh, we, can, we can do that safely. So uh, we've, we've obviously got the safe socialising protocols. We have taken furniture out of businesses. We are working with less tables and chairs to make sure there's plenty of space around uh, both internally and externally. On, on the pubs. Uh, we've also invested in there being a permanent uh, cleaning monitor, pub safe monitor. You'll find them in any pub, Green King pub in a black t-shirt. That person is responsible for making sure that everything's sanitized, that the hygiene protocols are all in place and that safe socializing is being maintained in the business. We've put in uh, additional hand sanitizing stations. We're looking after our team through pre-work uh, shift checks. And, and investment in their training and then the big one probably is about how we've reduced contact in the pub so whilst you can still visit the bar you can still pop into the pub uh, we have put cashless tills into some of our businesses we've got protective screens at the tills and uh, the big one is that we've now got an order and pay app which you can download onto your phone which will give you all the required information uh, but also allow you to order from your table and, and get table service from the team that are available in the business. We were talking earlier to one of our correspondents in Gibraltar uh, and Gabriella was saying that uh, from the point of view of Gibraltar uh, the uh, people who are actually in the uh, the pubs and the restaurants they will wear the face masks and the customers don't have to. Now there are big changes coming forth obviously in Britain from the, the 24th of July onwards. Uh, is it going to be a case of actually everybody's going to be wearing a mask? Well, I think the Environment Minister's confirmed today that he's not intending to deploy masks in pubs and bars, which is really good news for the industry. Um, we are working at uh, two metres social distancing, so you know, those businesses are safe to come into. And of course, unlike retailing, pubs and hospitality businesses are using the track and trace system. So whilst it's not mandatory to participate, if you pre-book, uh, we will have data that you were in the pub. 
And then if you're a walking customer, you just pop into the pub as you usually would do. We're encouraging guests on entry to scan a QR code, which then in the event that we would need to contact you, uh, we do have your data safely stored and uh, we can do that uh, using uh, the track and trace system uh, with the government. So uh, and we've been really sort of encouraged because, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't mandatory that you do this, but generally people are electing to participate and uh, and have been really, really cooperative in creating safe socialising. So that's really good news. I'm just wondering for people, and there are a few folk out there who don't actually have smartphones or have the access to the technology. Uh, is there a way in which they do they give you uh, the, your contact, their contact details in terms of telephone number or way they can be reached in the event of obviously wanting to participate in track and trace, but not necessarily having the technology to do so? Yeah, we, certainly that that is the case. We have iPads in all our pubs. So if a, a guest wants to participate in track and trace and they don't have the tech to do it, we can do that for them in the pub using our own technology. You've clearly thought of everything, Karen, as we uh, uh, <laughs> knew you would, which is excellent stuff from there. Uh, what, from your own point of view, as Managing Director of Green King, uh, was the, the, the best post-lockdown experience or, or, or the best experience when, when there was a sense that we were getting back to normal? Oh, I think it's just been the return of the teams. You know, I, I, they was they were so enthusiastic and relieved that the pubs were reopening, and we've had such a huge amount of support. You know, we we employ thirty eight thousand people across the UK. It is a big business, but every pub feels like a small family, and the will uh, from them. You know, most of them have come back. Uh, they're very enthusiastic they've had to learn lots of new things you know we've thrown quite a lot at them as you say because we've had to try and think of everything we can and actually a really big priority for us was keeping them safe um, and we knew that that was their confidence was going to be really important in terms of the customers feeling confident in the pub and they've been phenomenal so without doubt it has to be about the Green King team and how brilliant they've been. I think certainly combining your own experience with Mothercare, JJB Sports, obviously leading to Green King. It's almost as though a perfect synthesis has occurred in terms of your own <laughs> career pathway, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, Karen, where can people go to find out further information about what we've been chatting about today? If they want to find details online about their nearest Green King, Green King I should say, uh, and also the, the uh, things that are actually in place. Well, we would really encourage people to download our order and pay app uh, is available uh, for your phones and um, all the information you require to either find a pub or uh, participate in, in uh, shopping, if you like, with, with us in a pub environment uh, are, held, are held on that app and we will be communicating and promoting through our app technology. So we would really encourage people to, to download the Green King app onto their phone and then we can keep in touch with you. Karen Boucher, Managing Director of Green King. Many thanks indeed. Stay safe and uh, happy pub socialising. Thank you very much. Now, with a recent survey suggesting that 70% of British folk admit that they regularly break recycling rules, with 3 in 10 not checking recycling information before throwing food packaging in the bin, clearly there needs to be some kind of educational format put together. Certainly this research uh, released today by Cathedral City in partnership with recycling experts TerraCycle uh, suggested a number of key aspects that needs to be uh, really considered. And we're delighted to welcome two fantastic folk uh, to join us today to actually discuss this whole process first of all from TerraCycle the awesomely wonderful Julian Tremblin how are you Julian? Hi uh, very good thank you good morning. Excellent uh, and from Saputa Dairy UK the wonderful Lee Willett how are you Lee? I'm great thanks Alex. 
Excellent. Julian, if we come to you first, just talk us through some of the key findings of this survey, which suggests that, well, the spirit might be willing to recycle, but our overall understanding of what recycling is about, especially when it comes to recycling cheese, um, or indeed the plastic films of cheese, um, we're still sadly lacking. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not in entirely surprising to us. Um, the, the issues that are, are faced uh, by a lot of uh, British people is obviously around the fact that um, recycling rules can sometimes be a little bit confusing or at least uh, do, do require a little bit of research to make sure uh, what can and can't be recycled. And what we've noticed is 70% um, of Brits admitted that they regularly break recycling rules, as we said, uh, but 80% of them hope to be better at recycling in the future. So I think for us, it's, it's more about finding solutions to help uh, people uh, recycle in the right way and to know obviously what to put uh, in their recycling bin at home. And uh, sometimes, uh, like is the case with Cathedral City uh, and, and the uh, cheese packaging recycling program, uh, we are aiming to give uh, Brits the opportunity to recycle uh, different types of packaging outside of home uh, where we know that it will be recycled. I mean, I'm very impressed by the fact that you've got a, a goal of launching uh, packaging which is 100% recyclable by 2022, as far as cathedral cities are concerned. I mean, Lee, if we turn to your good self from that point of view, that, that's got to be, in, in a sense, um, a, a good aim to, to go for. And um, we might sort of think 2022, that's, that's, that's a long time away. It'll come around pretty quickly. It will, it will. And actually, you know, you know, we 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 are pushing quite hard, and that would be a massive actual scientific breakthrough if we were to get there. Um, uh, basically, the way we use the packaging at the moment to ensure the cheese doesn't become contaminated and end up in your fridge mouldy, uh, and has a great best before date and stays fresh for longer. Uh, we need a number of layers in that packaging, and so those layers mean it's not currently recyclable in the normal way you would do uh, most other things at curbside. Uh, and there's no recycling materials that deliver those levels of food protection, quality and safety at present. So uh, it is a long term aim, uh, an ambition of ours. I'm, you know, the project's been running for quite some time. I've been involved in it for quite some time. But we we are pushing, we're ambitious, we want to get there. It's important for us. You know, we, we source all of our uh, milk from uh, the UK. Uh, the, this, the, you know, the country and the environment is very important to us. So we want to, it's a really important call to the brand that we continue to do that. But this partnership with TerraCycle in the short term that we've done uh, will allow us to, uh, you know, enable us to recycle what we have at the moment, with the packaging we have down there at the moment. Now, this is Britain's first programme to recycle all flexible film cheese packaging. Um, it's going to have a knock-on effect as well, I would have thought, Julian, because if you can get into recycling uh, cheese uh, film layers and, and other areas, then, then clearly, you know, you might sort of start saying, well, we can recycle other aspects of plastic and so on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible that obviously we, we are now launching the, the first um, cheese flexible um, packaging uh, recycling program. Um, but we, we are in a situation obviously with TerraCycle to be able to recycle um, most materials, if not all of them. I mean, uh, on, we would avoid things like radioactive materials, but that's probably uh, about it. Um, you don't want radioactive cheese. That's not going to help Lee in any way, shape or form. No, it's not. Certainly not. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the way TerraCycle operates is that actually we know that um, all, all packaging pretty much is, is recyclable. Um, it, it's more of a question of um, how easily recyclable it is locally. And, and, and often uh, councils will not uh, take uh, flexible packaging due to 
uh, the, the fact that uh, the economics for that don't really work normally because it's uh, notoriously a bit harder to recycle uh, than say a PET bottle or a uh, shampoo bottle, for example, that you can find in your homes. Um, so as a result, you know, we, we, we put partnerships in place with, uh, you know, forward thinking brands uh, such as Cathedral City to, to make sure that we actually bridge the gap and we have a brand that is sponsoring essentially uh, a, a recycling program that uh, British people can now take part in from uh, today. And in terms of that, people listening to this, um, is it a case of this This is a real chance to, to, to sort of engage in something that, you know, as I, said, as I said at the start of the piece, we're kind of quite keen to learn how to recycle. But again, it's that lack of education that really has been free to mind. And we just haven't sort of known where to actually put this, this plastic and so on. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think it's a, it's our chance to obviously show um, show everyone, you know, how easily uh, the, this packaging can get recycled, uh, providing that obviously it's collected separately from from the rest of the packaging. So as a result, um, uh, for, from from today, people can go on to either the TerraCycle website or the Cathedral City website to learn where they can go and drop off uh, their their waste, actually their cheese packaging, um, for for it to be recycled. Um, so that's the first call to action that we make: that people actually go to um, recycle their packaging uh, via what we call public drop-off points. And if there's no public drop-off points uh, at, at proximity, what we encourage people to do from, from today is to get the community to keep together and actually create um, a public drop-off point themselves uh, so that they can give the opportunity locally uh, to, to, to collect and recycle. And I would, I would strongly encourage uh, the, the people of Lincoln who want to um, take part to actually set up their first public drop-off location in the area. Um, and, and to start collecting uh, cheese packaging for recycling. And presumably elsewhere around the country as well. Um, Julian, I, I need to ask from the, the point of view, I suspect there's a certain French ancestry to your good self and there's a certain French background there. How, how is Britain comparing in terms of our uh, recycling compared with other, other countries in Europe? Yeah, uh, very good question. Um, so Britain is in an interesting position in the fact that um, Generally, uh, recycling is, is okay of plastics. Um, so we are, we're talking about roughly half of all plastics consumed at home get recycled, which is, you know, some, somewhere in the middle uh, within Europe. So not great, mm. but not terrible either. Um, the um, main differences seem to be that um, in, in the UK at the moment, you don't really have a, a nationwide um, call to action when it comes to packaging because uh, different councils have different rules. So it does make uh, sometimes recycling just a tad difficult uh, from, from one council to another. And there's often that talk about uh, when people are moving homes, for example, suddenly what they were used to recycle in one place might not be what they should recycle uh, in this other place. And that's also why it's, it's so good for us to, to, to launch uh, nationwide programs with brands like Cathedral City to make sure that people have an access uh, for recycling their cheese packaging wherever they are in the country. Uh, and we're going to do that with hundreds of, of public drop-off points that people can have access to. Which is excellent. And returning uh, back to Cathedral uh, City and, and Saputo Dairy, of course, and, and back with yourself, Lee. Um, I was just sort of thinking that 2022, hopefully you'll get that 100% target maybe before the vaccine for coronavirus is sorted out. So that could be a target to actually aim for, to, to, <laughs> to get that sort of in, in place, really. And, and both equally important to, uh, to humanity's future in many ways. Um, but where can people go to to find out details about Cathedral City, Lee? Yeah, it's the um, cathedralcity.co.uk, uh, where you can see all about the brand there, but also, uh, as Julian said, we can see all about where the pickup points are currently, where you can go and 
and, and drop your uh, cheese packaging off. And also if, if you need to, if you want to sign up yourself or get your school to sign up or your local leisure centre or whatever it might be to uh, build a collection point there um, to take those cheese packaging. Fantastic. Gentlemen, it's been a fantastic uh, time to actually share some good positive thoughts with your good self about this uh, wonderful way of, of, of recycling and so on. From uh, TerraCycle, of course, Julian Tremblin, and from Saputo Dairy UK, Cathedral City, of course, Lee Willett. Many thanks indeed, and uh, happy cheese recycling, gentlemen. Thanks a lot, Alex. <laughs> now, it seems as though uh, the coronavirus has had a major impact in terms of people reflecting on their lives certainly over the 50 odd interviews we've covered over the last few weeks as the lockdown has started easing it seems as though we've very much had a situation where people have said look let's look at the blessings of this let's look at the time in which we can reflect on our life where we're going and so on and this has been confirmed by a recent study which suggests that actually uh spending more time with family and indeed being uh, bravely able to actually eat out is more important than actually material possessions. Now to address this, we've got two absolutely amazing folk. First of all, the astonishingly wonderful actress, extraordinaire, and indeed loose women coordinator. I can't believe she's a grandmother, but it's Linda Robson. How are you, Linda? Actually, I'm not a grandmother, I'm a nanny. Oh, well, there we are, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think grandma makes you sound like 111. Yeah, exactly. This is this is true, and it's good to good to connect with your good self fathers meeting. We've also got from a Unity Mutual the wonderful Steve Code. How are you, Steve? Hi, Alex. I'm very well, thank you. Hi, Linda. All right, Steve. You're a bit blurred, but never mind. I can see you. All right. <laughs> oh, it's that natural blurring that makes wonders on this whole side of things. Um, Linda, if we can come to you first, were you surprised by the findings of this study? Was it something which you thought, yeah, well, I kind of knew that. I mean. As I say, eating out, being adventurous, I suppose, even with a, a, a discount on foods, you were still looking at face masks and so on. I did sort of, I mean, I've always been really family orientated. Whenever I got a job or whenever I get a job, first thing I do is say to the family, look, I've been asked to do this. I've got to go to Australia for three months, um, which I did go and I took the kids with me. And the schools weren't very happy at the time, but it was a learning experience <laughs> for them. Um, and then um, I went to America for three weeks, um, two years ago, to do a programme. And I'd been in America for three weeks. I said to the kids, like, what do you think? Do you think I should go? And they all said, yeah, mum, go. Um, and it was really hard because the time difference and that. So I really, really missed being able to FaceTime the kids because it was like I'd be awake at two o'clock in the morning and they'd be asleep and that. So I found that really difficult. Um, I'd go to great extremes to be able to get in touch with them because we were in Aspen in the middle of nowhere and I got the, and one of the drivers to drive me to the top of this mountain so I could FaceTime my family. <laughs> We've got to, I haven't seen them for two days, I need to see them. Um, but yeah, I think it made, what I think it's done is made people reevaluate the things that are most important to them. Um, well, they've always been most important to most people. You know, like yeah. they definitely have to me. Um, my whole... Yeah. You know, they're my whole life, really. Um, I mean, that, that's very much the message that, that, that's coming across here in terms of, uh, of, you know, put your emphasis on the important things in life and don't necessarily look at material possessions. I mean, Steve, from, from the point of view, obviously, in finance, you might say, but you can't get more material than finance from that point of view. It's all about the finance. But, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on this little survey? I think it's... Uh certainly for the over 55, they're starting to think more about the longer term rather than just the immediate. So, you know, people are shunning away from material things because, you know, they depreciate, they lose value. Well, as Linda said, you know, in the current lockdown, what is valuable 
to us is spending time with the family and also our futures. So the research also showed that uh, you know over 55 is one of the travel more, want more life experiences and of course you know to use this to do that as well as of course making provision for their children in terms of financial advice or sub financial support to the Sure. Uh, Linda, returning back to your good self, I mean, again, uh, one of the things which certainly has been new for me has been this whole use of Zoom and technology to effectually sort of do interviews remotely. Move, and move work through, love, I tell you, it's new for me. <laughs> I can't do it. I have to get my daughter to do it for me on my son. Oh, you're, you're coping my effortlessly. My granddaughter would be able to do it easily. <laughs> But, but there is that sort of line where we're looking at the way that ch changes have been forced upon us that we've, we've looked at. I mean, we look back at, over our parents and our grandparents, and they had obviously had wartime experiences. They had other areas that they were looking at. In this particular instance, though, again, getting back to the notion that ultimately family is the most important. And also that old line, Linda, about if, if, if you could go back to, to the, the, the Linda Robson, who is just about to go to the Anna Share Stage School and be one of the founder members of that, <laughs> not too long ago, what, what would you actually um, sort of advise her in terms of the most important things in life, the things to really cherish and, and be aware of? Um, I think memories are really, really important. Um, so I've got lots of really happy memories of growing up in Islington, where I still live. I've never lived in any other area. I've only ever lived here. So I know everybody in all the supermarkets and down the market that I go to and everything. Um, so I just, I just think I've, had, I've been really lucky. I mean, I started working at 10 years of age and I've worked near enough you know, right the way through my life. I've had a couple of breaks or whatever. Um, but I started off working in a fish and chip shop in Holloway Road. That was my first Saturday job. And then went on to a dry cleaners um, and then to a chemist. I worked in a chemist. I did lots of Saturday jobs mm. um, while I was... Oh, sorry, there's somebody else. It's okay. I mean, whilst you take that call, Linda, we'll move back to Steve. And Steve, if I come to you and bring, bring you at this point, um, in uh, terms of the, the, the sort of overall... Uh, lines that we're, we're actually sort of working through. Um, is it a case of saying, don't put it off, do your financial planning, look for the things you really want to do? Because we are facing in terms of the, whether you're easing in lockdown, whether you're coming out of lockdown. I mean, people are listening to this probably all over the place. They might be in California where they're going back into lockdown. They might be in Melbourne, Australia, where they're also in lockdown. What, what advice would you actually give Steve from your own point of view? Is it a case of plan again, as, as the government, Lord help us, would say, plan for the worst, but then actually sort of look at, at sort of ways in which you can work through the changes we're all going to be faced with. You're right, Alex. It's about, you know, having a, a savings habit. So people who have got savings, it's trying to maximise the return on them. It's about, you know, people's risk, attitude to risk. If they have a, a you know, want to take risk, then it's investing in stocks and shares. If you don't want to take risk, it's making sure that their capital is protected. But equally, there are quite a number of people who don't save, and therefore it's just getting having the habit of saving. It doesn't matter how much, as, as you know, but it's just getting on that savings ladder. And then, um, you know, it's the old, it's the old thing. If you if you get into the habit of it, you don't miss it. So then, it's just a case of uh, of saving it. Shop around, you know. Look at the products which uh, might be uh, suitable to you and, and do your research. There's plenty of information on websites and in social media. But equally, you know, we're, we're talking about the family. 
seek advice from family and friends and work colleagues about what they do. So it's the sharing of information about um, you know, what products and what savings vehicles are out there. Absolutely. And, and Steve, where would you point people in terms of accessing Unity Mutual? Is there a, a website that you'd su suggest they should head off to? Yeah, clearly at Unity Mutual, it's www.unitymutual.co.uk and you'll find our full range of savings uh, and investment products on there. Makes sense. Linda, returning back to your good self, um, I think the, uh, the, the wealth of experience you actually had, whether it was the, the chip shop in Holloway Road, that's got to be a title of a novel, surely. Uh, <laughs> or indeed, uh, the, the range of things you've been involved with, it's brought you to, I mean, the quality of the talent that's actually there. I mean, you're embedding yourself in, in society. But if I was to ask you, if you had one set of advice to actually really echo what Steve's been talking about there in terms of planning for the future, ensuring that we can uh, comfortably sort of focus on the more important things of life, what would it be? I think maybe never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good bit of advice, really. And, and I think the most important thing, really, is that my mum taught me was respect. I think respect is really important. I think people sometimes forget to respect others. And that respect... Oh my God, they're, they're driving me mad. Abs absolutely. Uh, and it's nice to see that Linda Robson is well into the technological age by dealing with online and answer phone systems, a whole range of things, Zoom. I mean, th th this is surely the next episode of Birds of a Fell that needs to be repackaged and re-put together, surely. I mean, it, it's got to be a whole new world. They are talking about doing another Birds of a Feather. So I think the right. ratings have been so good on this last series and that, that they're yeah, yeah. expected to do some more. Well, I think we don't need to start a campaign. It's already running for the moment. Uh, Steve Code uh, and uh, ace actress uh, Linda Robson, many thanks indeed. Stay safe, folks. And uh, hopefully we'll speak again in the not-too-distant future. Thank you. Thank okay, you. thanks, Alex. Now, certainly one of the key aspects of the uh, coronavirus uh, experience that the world is going through is the number of time or the amount of time that we actually spend uh, looking at computer screens and as a result of that clearly there are impacts and thoughts to be had with respect to vision because uh, if you're constantly staring at a screen you can have symptoms such as blurry vision, difficulty focusing, uh, painful eyes, variety of other sort of key aspects that can impact on that and to actually talk a little bit about that and explain some of the ways in which we can cope with this brave new a screen-based world in which we're living. We're delighted to be able to welcome the uh, wonderfully talented Dr. Susan Blakely uh, from, of course, the uh, Royal College of Optimists, uh, Optometrists, I should say. Good morning, Susan. How are you? Hi there. I'm fine. Thank you. So were you surprised by this particular research, Susan? Was it a case of, well, you know, um, you know computer screens, which are, clearly we always used to be told, don't, don't look at the screen all that often, etc. But, you know, were there any surprises that you were struck at or struck at, struck by uh, in terms of what, what this survey revealed? Well, research conducted by the College of Optometrists showed that a third of people in your area believe that spending more time in front of the screens has worsened their eyesight. And I think what we need to remember is, you know, we're not designed evolutionarily to look at screens for a very long period of time. Before screens were invented, if you're working in an office, for example, some of the information will be in a filing cabinet over there, or you might need to go and speak to a colleague somewhere else, or it might be on your desk, you pick it up. Whereas on a screen, everything is at the same distance. And I think that's why it's particularly tiring to look at screens for a long period of time, because eyes really aren't designed to look at something 
at the same distance for hours and hours on end uh, without a break. Yeah. So what we're recommending is that people try and remember to take a break from their screens every now and then. It doesn't mean you know doing 10 minutes work on the computer and having half an hour break, but we recommend something like the 20-20-20 rule, which is every 20 minutes or thereabouts, look at something about 20 feet away for about 20 seconds. So just remind you really to take a break. And if you've got any concerns about your eyes, then contact your optometrist that, you know, they'll be on the end of the phone initially to answer any queries that you've got. And if you do, if they do advise you to come in for an appointment, they will make it as safe as possible for you when you're there. Certainly that whole notion of when you're delivering lectures or virtual lectures and you might have, uh, or indeed in virtual meetings and you have a sea of uh, faces staring at you, you often want to say, remember to blink. And that's another one of your suggestions, actually, that blinking is important as well. It is, absolutely, yes. We know that if you stare at a screen for a long period of time, your blink rate reduces. So yes, try and remember to blink. It's interesting you said a virtual lecture, people staring at you. I find that on Zoom meetings, they're obviously staring somewhere else because they're staring at where you are on their screen, which I think looks very odd, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It opens up a whole range of things. I can actually assure the <laughs> listener that we're, we're, we're working on this basis from the true radio perspective of actually just having our names on screen. So we're, we're working on that, but we haven't done it. We haven't got it very much. So it's, it's all good. Um, other tips, of course, making the text size bigger if you're struggling to see it. I mean, that's something that many folk actually forget with computers. You can actually enlarge the text or rather actually squinting at the screen and saying, I just can't see it at all. Yes, that, that's a big advantage of electronic devices. I, I've noticed I've been in practice for <coughs> uh, years um, and it used to be, and this will take you back, um, people used to come in complaining that they couldn't see the teletext on the television and that's ah, how they knew yes. they needed new glasses. Well, those long gone are those days. And actually, I cannot remember the last time I had somebody in saying they had problems seeing the television because, of course, we've all got enormous tellies these days mm -hmm. and, and why make life difficult for yourself you know you, people used to be wearing their reading glasses on the train to read the paper but now they just make them make the font a bit bigger on their e-reader so yes things are, things are changing a lot exactly we're benefiting on that basis wearing masks on the other it's all very confusing and strangely wonderful uh, and of course eye drops and that's something which i haven't heard about for, for quite some time actually using eye drops to obviously keep the the vitreous aqueous humor of the eye sort of lubricated and ensuring that that uh, uh, that's also a key part of uh, uh, eye care yeah, it's, it's not, not the, the vitreous and aqueous are inside the eye, so You're eye drops right. can actually yeah. help moisturise the front of the eye. But if people have got symptoms of dry eye, the best thing to do is to contact their optometrist because actually you might be able to solve that problem without using eye drops. So um, best actually to consult your optometrist first for a proper diagnosis of what is causing the dry eye before automatically reaching for the drops. Uh, eyes are amazing organs, really. They do tend to look after themselves. And what we would recommend is if you want to keep your eyes healthy do what is good for your body so eat healthily maintain a healthy weight and um, eat lots of colored fruit and veg so it's not a myth that carrots are good for your eyes they are as are other colored veg so your peppers your kale broccoli all those sort of things have got pigments in them that are good for the back of the eyes mm. and also really important is to be aware of your vision in each eye separately you're with yourself 
all the time. So it's very easy to check your vision in each eye separately. And by looking at the words on a spine of a book on a bookcase, for example, find something that you can just see with each eye separately, wearing glasses if you need them to see things far away, so television and driving. And if that changes, contact your optometrist because you would be amazed at how much vision you can lose in one eye without being aware of it because the other eye compensates for it. Mm -hmm. And like most medical things, the earlier something is picked up, the easier it is to treat. So you know, do that every so often, every week, every month, whenever you remember. And if you notice any changes, contact your optometrist for advice in the first instance. I'm so pleased, Sue, that you didn't actually uh, refer to in the event of being unable to contact your optician actually driving to Barnard Castle as an eye test, because that's not good at all. <laughs> uh, but for reasons we obviously won't go into now, and I'm sure people Indeed. will appreciate that. So in terms of finding out further information about um, what we've been talking about today, those top tips for ensuring that eye health is maintained, including, including nutritional ones, uh, where would you suggest people should go? lookaftereyes.org has loads of top tips and information about eye conditions and also has the directory of how to find your local member of the College of Optometrists. So lookaftereyes.org. Sue, it's been fantastic connecting with your good self. We will doubtless Thank see you. you again soon. Many thanks indeed. Cheers Thank there. Thanks, bye now. So we move on to another midweek driver who uh, has yet to actually make her Zoom debut, given that we're now actually into well, approaching 60 of these Zoomers. So we've obviously managed to sort out any glitches that were there, or have we? Because we actually say, Aloysian, welcome back to the midweek drive via Zoom. Hi, it's good to be back, even though I have no idea how Zoom works. So this should be fun. It's magic. It's like Enchanted. It just works on its own situation. And you are sounding very quiet, so I'm not sure whether there's a microphone issue from that point of view, but uh, uh, other than that, I'm sure we'll, we'll limp by. It's In fact, you're probably I'm the sorry. quietest Zoom call that we've actually had, short of people who have actually accidentally muted themselves. But that's okay. <laughs> it's I'm definitely sure we'll... not muted. <laughs> that, well, you're getting better. You're getting better now. So obviously, the closer you get to the microphone, the closer you get to the computer, the better it will actually be. Or move the computer close to yourself. Are you on a laptop or are you on a, a, a standard ordinary computer system? Uh, I'm on a laptop, but that doesn't seem to be working, so I've plugged in a microphone. Well, it's holding. getting better, getting better yeah. step by step. So, busily at work, have you been wearing your mask? Have you been uh, engaging in the, the fact that we're, it will be compulsory to, in a few, uh, a few weeks' time, to all have one of these actually on? And as you can see, I'm taking this so seriously. I'm demonstrating that actually you can even do a mask even when you're separated by... Ooh, about 160 miles. <laughs> I haven't actually been wearing it because it's not compulsory at work, but obviously I will be now. Mm. So, um, and I have a Doctor Who one with Daleks on. So. Ah. Yes, well, <laughs> I, I suspected you might be sort of uh, generally uh, a, a bespoke mask person, but still, you know, it's, it's part and parcel of the whole thing. Since last we spoke, of course, uh, we've had a pandemic uh, and all sorts of things have been going on. So what have you been doing and getting up to in Lincoln? Um... Nothing. I've obviously started going back to work. Uh, my friends that I made on the uh, medieval course have come and visited me, so that's quite nice. And you allowed um, them in with medieval plague <laughs> and all yes. of the possibilities of bubonic plague and the issues they could have had there. Did you not actually get them to wear bells and say unclean, unclean and march through the streets of Lincoln? I'm quite I surprised. don't think they'd have seen me again if I had. But yeah, other than that, not much. What about you, Alex? How's everything uh, going? 
Well, every day it seems as though I get a, another requirement from the system that is the University of Lincoln in terms of what we're referring to Welcome Week as. Uh, it used to be Online Refreshers Week, is now Online Activities Week. Uh, it will be online, but we'll certainly sort of be looking forward to a range of online virtual activities before, of course, we move into the new academic year in which it'll be a case of lectures online and uh, a, a, a blended learning model with possibly some uh, interaction uh, with students in face-to-face uh, -face activities. But other than that, certainly the film and television studies science fiction class will be delivered um, lectures online and we'll just have to see what happens with the rest of it, which should be fun. But anyway. That's really uh, sad us... for all the freshers this year. They're not going to quite get the same experience. What, freshers flu? It could be coronavirus. <laughs> Think of it as not so much not giving them the right experience, but potentially saving the lives of them or their loved ones. That's the way True. forward. Of course, we have spoken telephonically before we had the full Pantenic system, and we gave you the role there, basically being the, uh, officio the, the associate, one of Robin Pierce's associates, to actually start deconstructing and uh, listening to some of the, the many podcasts that we're putting online and so on. So have Jack and yourself, Jack, of course, being your faithful cat, who we saw momentarily a few moments ago, uh, have Jack and yourself been... Um, drawn to any of the podcasts over the last week or so uh the last week i have not i'm so sorry because my laptop broke and this is a new one so i've had to wait to get a new laptop hence why i don't know how it works and the new one <laughs> has actually gradually improved step by step so the audio is getting better and better you see from actually sounding oh. a bit like that as though it's a long time ago where you can barely actually hear me to almost coming through on a full wonderful sort of system but it's i haven't suddenly, changed suddenly anything <laughs> Well, clearly the laptop actually understands yourself. I've it got to is. ask the question because I was very thrilled with this uh, this new laptop. I won't give it a brand name because uh, let's face it, I'm not being paid by the company. Uh, but it does actually have fingerprint recognition. Fingerprint Ooh. recognition. So in order to actually log you can pretend in... Pretend you're on a spaceship. You, that is exactly what I was saying in the last episode of From Mountains to Molecules this very lunchtime. Whereas I said to people who are actually worried about masks and so on, think of it as us being astronauts on Spaceship Earth, effectively going out into the hostile outer space environment and clearly having to wear a mask. Uh, you can indeed, if you wish, go either Darth Vader or my personal preference, go HAL Computer Virus and Dave in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Never let it be said that we don't actually develop a whole range of other factors. Um, so you've been in Lincoln. You've been working in Lincoln yep. now. You're working in the, in the store. What are the social distancing mechanisms that are put? Is it, is it a bookstore you're working in or is it uh, something I work in a cocktail bar. So it's not a bookstore. So we've clarified that. It's not a bookstore. Not a bookstore. <laughs> um, so in terms of the cocktail bar, even more so, what are the social distancing measures that are actually being employed? Um, well, it's quite different, but a lot more work for the staff now because we have to take phone numbers down. We have to clean menus, clean sofas. Uh, there's less chairs, uh, more table service and stuff. But it's actually quite nice to have. So contact details needs to be provided. Many yeah. of the customers wearing masks as yet? Not a single one. So. That's going to change. Unless, yep, of course, you make is. lots of quick money for the government. Um, and, of course, <laughs> the other news that you won't be aware of, because you won't be listening to the podcasts, 
is that a mutual friend of ours is actually back in Lincoln until probably the second week in August. Yes, Ben Lewis is back in the Lincoln oh, area. And yes. he didn't tell me. How rude. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he has been talking about potentially getting together in some time in the next few weeks. So it may well be we could have a, a technical location for Should I actually feel ready to actually leave Middlesbrough, haven of the universe, of course, uh, and actually head down to, uh, to, to see you in Lincoln? Because clearly the campus is still actually closed down. And my original plan was probably not to attend until uh, September. The listener doesn't care about this. But what the hey? I thought I'd throw <laughs> yes, it out. Yes, they do. That point of view. Why are you doing that? Um, so again, news, news from that point of view. And what is, I mean, is Lincoln getting busier? Is it a case of it's noticeably a case of you don't even know there was a pandemic on? Is it a case of everybody singing the songs of Eva MacDonald and saying, go Eva, go Eva, we've been listening to you? What, what, what's been happening with the actual city itself? It actually seems busier than it was before. It's crazy. I needed sounds ridiculous i needed some socks for work and i was not queuing for an hour and a half to get into primark and there's just lines and lines of people um that seem to just be shopping for the sake of it now everything's open and it's slightly ridiculous actually many people this very day the day of course being the 14th of july have actually said if they were tory supporters they've cut up their tory cards and said as far as I'm concerned, Boris Johnson, this is the end. It's authoritarianism gone wild. I refuse to participate in this. And uh, taking the same kind of line that many of our uh, friends in America have often said that why should they actually wear a mask? Because it imp impedes breathing. And after all, if God wished to us to wear masks, he would have designed us that way. Uh, we started. Um, <laughs> but um, is this something whereby that simple act of shopping, were you not tempted to simply say, I'll just do it online now. Why? I, I can't, I mean, really, to, to queue for a pair yeah. of socks, you know, I'll just do it online. I was only queuing because, number one, it's quite expensive online. Um, I've not got a lot of hours at work, but I was working in town anyway, so that was why I was there. But, yeah. And what was the general mood? Were, were people uh, happy? Was there a case of a, a pandemic spirit there? Was there community singing? Or was there a kind of traditional uh, British grumpiness where people are basically frowning and because they're wearing masks or not as the case may be, you don't know whether they could be infectious or infecting other people? It's definitely uh, classic Britain and everyone's quite grumpy and just glaring at each other really. So, Which but is no one made even worse if you're wearing a mask really, as we said. Yeah. Um, I've said this twice before, I'll say it for a third time, uh, slight problem with respect to Donald Trump, only a slight problem, yes, just a slight problem, uh, insofar as he did say wearing his mask made him look like the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger, of course, wore an eye mask, the uh, mask over the mouth is pretty much one that was worn by the villains. So if he actually, to be precise, said he looked like a Lone Ranger villain, then people would actually probably rooted for him a lot more. But anyway, that's by the by. People with uh, small brains, eh? Speaking of global politics, you need to listen to the little piece we did with Arthur Weingarten, who also, who would have thought Arthur Weingarten would have made his Zoom debut ahead of yourself? Thanks to Annette Andre, but he did. Uh, another little treat you can look forward to, uh, as I well as some, some other activities, including a recent show I actually did with Cockrells. Uh, in terms of <laughs> your, your own self and um, the post-lockdown periods that we're now in, um, is it something where you're sort of quite happy with it or is there a part of you which says actually it was a better world when we were all in lockdown um, it's probably better it would I think we shouldn't have come out of lockdown but I think it's good for people with mental health who have been stuck indoors so it's 
I think we all have mental health, so it's a good point to actually make on that sort of basis. So, you know, clearly we yeah. need to ensure that, ensure that the, the positivity comes through on that system, which is, which is great. You know what I meant, Alex. <laughs> I'd just like to make it quite clear, unambiguous, uh, particularly in these days where cancel culture is rife. Um, which brings me to the next little line, cancel culture. There is a sensitivity certainly that's out there, partly due to social media, partly true to, I suppose, virtue signalling, where people could say, you can't say that, I'm calling you out, and then sit back in a, a glow of self-righteousness and so on. Um, what are your thoughts on cancel culture? Do you think it's, 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 it's going to impact the arts? It's going to get to the stage where, for instance, this week's classic movie that I'm working on with Richard Fitzwilliams, uh, Chariots of Fire. All white, all white cast, in essence, no diversity whatsoever, privileged white class, and Academy Award winner it may have been, but lack of diversity, hugely problematic. Um, any thoughts in terms of how that's likely to affect the industry? Or is it a case of, frankly, I don't care? I sort of care, but I also, it's going to be what it's going to be in the end. Uh, with older films, you're taking... any Gene Kelly movies, I'm sure. They, I think they should yeah, probably with, with older films, we've got to take them with a pinch of salt. They were Gone with they were the wind, then, clearly. And... <laughs> very worrying lines. Yeah, there's good and bad and everything, and we have to just take older uh, films and... That for what they are and at this burn point, them. but we can change. Now. No, let's not burn them, but we can change what happens in the future rather than worry about the things that have already been made. Past is indeed a different country, and they do things differently there, as uh, one famous writer actually once said. Um, Eloise, we've been shooting the ble- ble- shooting the breeze. It's obviously sort of <laughs> working through a, a different concept there. Shooting the breeze uh, and. Uh, I have to say, I was very impressed, I'll let the listener know this, that you had actually been waiting in this particular Zoom conference since about 4pm last, last, yesterday afternoon. I was very impressed. I got an email saying, uh, your participant, Eloise Sheehan, is waiting in the Zoom meeting room. Uh, please, please visit it now. I thought, well, I could, but I thought, no, if she wants to wait 25 hours before we actually get online and connect. I thought I'd be prepared and turn my laptop on and make sure it was ready. Don't yeah. judge me, Alex. No, it's, it's, it was very impressive and I was delighted because that extra, that extra 25 hours allowed us to sort out the sound problem, which is great. So, you know, it, it helps <laughs> in every way, which is marvellous. But uh, if you've heard any of our Zoomers before, I don't know if you've heard any of the Zoomers, probably not because your, your laptop hasn't been No, worked. I have not. I don't no, well, no. you'll know that we do a slight, a slight spin on the two classic questions, okay? For obvious reasons, I like to ensure that accuracy is maintained. First of all, Eloise have you had a reasonably interesting Zoomer with us on the programme today? I had until you said that question, Alex. So, <laughs> uh, In which case, can we look forward to connecting you again, or connecting with you again, or even connecting you again to a different decent sound source in the not-too-distant future? I'd love to. Give me 25 hours notice and I'll be 